0: Hello and welcome to this month's Thorax podcast. I'm Ongshu Pomik, I'm the Lung Alerts Editor of Thorax and I have with me Professor Visha Venjiha, the Editor-in-Chief. I'd like to wish everyone a Happy New Year.
1: And a very Happy New Year for myself as well to you all.
0: This month we're going to talk about two of the papers in this month's issue of Thorax and then we're going to have a discussion about how to get your papers published in Thorax. The first paper we're going to discuss is that by Lee and colleagues about progression of childhood obstructive sleep apnea. Visha, why did you choose this paper for airwaves and what are the key findings?
1: I chose this paper as this is the first description that I know about of childhood sleep apnea and its natural history and progression. Indeed, um, we have previously Um, accepted a paper from the same group showing that childhood sleep apnea is associated with cardiac dysfunction. What this paper shows is shows some of the determinants of progression of sleep apnea in children which are younger age being male, presence of large tonsils at baseline and persistently large tonsils over the follow-up period.
0: And there's an accompanying editorial By Carol Marcus, which gives some useful background to this. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well?
1: Yes, I would strongly recommend reading the editorial as it is a very good description of some of the issues in childhood sleep apnea. For instance, apparently in adult medicine, as you all know, Um, It's five apnea, hypopnea events per hour is regarded as significant for steep apnea. While in children, the limit is much lower at 1.5 events. So there is an issue of what is the threshold for steep apnea in children. But she actually makes the point that 29% of the children got worse. But there was general improvement in a number of children.
0: Does this mean then that um, a a surgical approach to treating children with large tonsils is not necessarily required?
1: Well, I think she does suggest that we need more information on the outcome of surgical intervention in sleep apnea in children, as there is actually evidence that some children who have had surgical interventions for sleep apnea have actually incomplete resolution of their sleep apnea. There are apparently further uh, studies in progress and we await their results. This
0: will prove to be an interesting field of research in future. The next paper we want to talk about is the one by Svanes and colleagues uh, presenting data from the European Community Respiratory Health Survey. Now, two years ago, there was a paper published in The Lancet by Stern and colleagues showing that lung function at two months predicted lung function in adulthood. Visha, how does this paper add to the debate?
1: Um, Yes, this is a, a very interesting paper on the early origins of COPD. And what this paper shows again is that early life disadvantage with low lung function tracks into adulthood. What this paper also shows in more detail that there was no age catch-up and an increased COPD risk. Now the most important risk factor was indeed asthma as a child and if you had asthma as a child that gave you a tenfold higher risk of stage 2 COPD in men and four times high risk of stage 2 COPD in women.
0: Now, there's an accompanying editorial by David Menino, who's one of our associate editors, uh, talking about this. Can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yes, David Menino describes very clearly our usual view of COPD, which is an adult onset condition caused by um, cigarette smoking. However, he also makes very clearly the point that even though your lung function is normal, That does not mean that you are eventually protected from COPD if you continue to smoke. So that in the prevention and management of COPD, we must never abandon the traditional risk factors of smoking and other prominent factors such as occupational dust exposure.
0: So since childhood lung function may influence or predict adult lung function, how do we address abnormal lung function in children in that
1: case? Well, that's a very difficult question. And I think to date, the evidence presented does not give us enough evidence to say that children should have routine lung function performed. However, If a child is found to have respiratory disease, then we need to make sure that respiratory disease in children is aggressively managed to prevent any downstream, longer-term complications.
0: Thank you very much, Fisha, for telling us about these interesting papers. Moving on, each month we would like to talk a little bit about the editorial process. And this month we want to talk about how to write and publish the best possible paper and I hope that this helps prospective authors. Visha, what tips can you give authors about how to plan and write the best possible paper?
1: Um, Obviously any journal is looking for a paper that has original and topical research and will make headlines. So once your study is completed and you are writing the paper, my first advice is to make sure that the introduction has clear objectives and really describes the rationale and the reason why you want to do the study. What questions are you attempting to address and why is the paper original and why is this study worthwhile to the readership of a particular journal?
0: And then regarding the methodology, are there any particular pointers there?
1: Well, I like full methods. I think in the past, some journals have asked us to restrict uh, methods to, let's say, 500 words. But that really is not sufficient for most current studies. So the methodology should be clear. And any additional methodology can be always placed in an online supplement that most journals now have use of.
0: Right. I'm going to talk a little bit about statistics, but uh, what about presenting the results?
1: Well, all editors like clear data presented in tables of figures. And again, if there is an excessive data, there's always the use of an online supplement.
0: And regarding the statistical methods, it is very important to make sure that the correct methodology is used, obtaining statistical advice when necessary. In particular, it's important to include the calculations of study power and sample size to make sure that all the study subjects are followed up and any inconsistencies in the numbers explained clearly it is important to state the primary outcomes and avoid multiple testing when performing the statistical analyses and present the effect sizes as means or uh, the appropriate measures of central tendency with 95% confidence intervals. And finally, it's very important to give the exact p-values rather than just Uh, saying that the uh, significance was non-significant or the p-value was greater than 0.05.
1: And at the very end, the discussion is important as it ties up all the results and puts this into a clinical context. It is always useful to uh, speculate, but not to go over the top um, in the discussion. And also, it is always nice to finish off with some ideas for future research and how the results can be taken further.
0: And finally, there are some submission guidelines that you would recommend all prospective authors, aren't there?
1: Well, absolutely. And, and this is very important in that authors do use the requirements for the specific journals. A competing interest statement needs to be um, always submitted. And we will talk about competing interests and publication ethics in a subsequent podcast. I do like the cover letter, it can be very useful. So, if there's any particular overlap or any issue with this paper, um, the cover letter is often the first file that is opened by the editor. You need to tell us about f- funding sources and, of course, about ethics approval. There are specific issues for clinical trials, trials like consort diagrams, which also need to be included.
0: Thank you very much, Fisher. So that's the end of this month's podcast. We've talked about how to write a paper and get it accepted by a journal. Next month, we're going to talk about the editor's role and the pathway of a paper, including peer review. Don't forget that you can read about all these papers at thorax.bmj.com.